Hey, what's going on, everybody? And welcome back to the College Info Geek Podcast, the internet's best resource for getting ahead as a student, but a terrible resource for learning how to have a fulfilling career in the arts and also make a lot of money at the same time. Yep. Still haven't figured it out. Yep. How do you do it? I don't know. You, like, throw paint splotches on the wall and say it represents the soul of your pet turtle, Jimmy, and then, bam, $10 million sold. Oh. Well, first you need to get a pet turtle named Jimmy. That was easy. Make sure that this Jimmy turtle has been ensouled. Otherwise, you can't say it represents the soul of your turtle. Jimmy, if it's a soulless turtle, this is important. Wait, don't turtles get a soul when they're born? It depends on the turtle. (laughs) There's a little bit of favoritism involved. Is this like Calvinistic determinism for turtles? Uh, Turtles have it hard. The turtleism? It's it's a difficult (laughs) world. Anyway, Um, my name's Thomas. I'm here as always with my good friend Martin. And today, we have five of your questions to answer so every few episodes we get five questions that are sent to us via email or tweets or smoke signals or uh, reverberations down the philotic chords of the universe people who haven't read children of the mind are not going to get that reference but i don't get any there's weird chords in the universe and they connect all life forms apparently according to some weird sci-fi novel i read once oh okay Mm -hmm. oh happy late halloween Oh yeah, way. happy late. Uh, I'm the it is personification late. of my favorite Pokemon, or at least probably my favorite. You figure it out. You don't want to tell them? Nope. You're not going to tell them? No, because only the real Pokemon fans will guess because it's not in the first gen. It's I'm gatekeeping right? Pokemon. Uh, Hypno. It's definitely Pikachu. I do Snorlax. love Hypno. It's, nope, it's not in the first gen. Zapdos. <sighs> it's Zapdos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm really bad. At it's, costume it's a really, design. really terrible Zapdos I'm just, costume. I'm doing a bad job. People are going to have to go watch the YouTube version of this to see what your costume is yep. and guess. And their prize for guessing will be getting to watch the YouTube version. Yeah. I'm real good at incentives. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. So we took five questions from, I believe three of these were from the Philotic Chords and two of them were smoke signal questions. Uh, but we do check our tweets And we do check our emails. So if you want to send us questions that way, you can always do that. But in five questions episodes, we usually just rapid fire answer uh, the questions that we got. And it's kind of a fun format. Yep. Yeah. Get your notion up. Uh, No. No? I use iCloud Notes for all of my actual notes. Oh, wait. You just like, you just transfer it. I copy and paste it. Yeah, I put it in Notion. But then then, like, um, if I have any notes on what I want to say, I want to keep it separate. That way, like you're not accidentally reading my bullet points and vice versa so that I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this time when my name was Thomas Frank. That's not mine. (laughs) Like, I want to make sure that they're separate so that I don't mess up. Maybe you were Thomas Frank once. That's possible, but I don't have any memory of it and in any useful sense. Well, of course you wouldn't have any memory of it. Probably not. Didn't you see the the, uh, short story of of the egg? Yeah. That Chris Cassatt put out? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Everyone should go watch that. That was a fantastic video. Yeah, it lines up with actually quite a lot of really interesting uh things i've read like it almost could make sense i could believe it it almost could why not no wait who why not who originally wrote that i don't i don't remember but i did i can't remember oh wait actually yeah you sent a video and instead i googled it and then read the original thing oh you didn't didn't watch the video no i don't watch videos the video is really cool um you should watch it i don't remember who wrote it though i don't either some sci-fi writer it was cool can't remember but it was really, man, it's like right on the tip of my tongue. And I was just reading about tip of the tongue effects. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Because they did all this research about why people forget names. Well, you got to do that thing where you, like, split your tongue, right? Then you've got two tips of the tongue, so you can remember twice as good. Mm, if one tip of the tongue isn't good yeah, enough, yeah, the, other the other one, one will get statistically it Statistically, is either better or worse. It's got to be. But it could just be worse because I have now made both tips half as effective. Then make another one. Oh, genetic engineering. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> we can do this. Uh, okay. Oh, before we get into this, um, a lot of people, <clears throat> and this is going to be a lot for the YouTube audience, or I guess people who watch my YouTube videos, a lot of people have asked me where I get these button-up shirts. And let me tell you, I usually tell people that I get them from Barbell. But now, Barbell reached out to me because apparently I told enough people about it. And they're like, hey, do you want an affiliate link? And I said, yes. So if you want to get the same shirts I wear, you can go to collegeinfogeek.com slash barbell and check it out. Yep. We're also selling the shirts he's wearing right this second, right off his back. This exact one. Yeah, that's the exact one. Yes. You're Why going not? to have to find me in the wild and take it from me, though. And in that case, the, the price is $0 as long as you're The price is victory. You know, if, if you yes. can pay that price. No, the, the you price get it. isn't victory. The secondary reward is victory. The price is also victory. If you can't be victorious, then you don't get it. That's true. Victory is both a price and a reward. It may be a Pyrrhic victory. That's fine. I will defend myself and the shirt that I'm wearing. I will defend this shirt with my life. Yes. Anyway, plug over. But I did want to make a small plug because I love Barbell. Seriously. Their shirts are the best. They're the best. Anywho, we have the first question, which is... Sort of in the vein of the plug I just made because it's oh, kind of, kind of a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so this may not apply to people who live in very hot climates, but nope. How can I stay fit in the coming winter? Is the first question. Which is a good question because cardio sucks in the winter, and I don't want to do it. Or you could just be hardcore. I don't want to do that. I'll slip go... and I'll fall. I'll snap my finger open again. Yeah, don't do that. Never mind. It's a bad idea. What you could do is be 12 years old okay go into an arcade i can do that okay uh-huh and I, I do believe this was in the middle of winter discover a game called dance dance revolution okay. max two to be specific and then realize that it only cost like 10 cents to play it because this was in the olden days when when you're 12 years old which was okay. 16 years ago oh my gosh don't say that <laughs> start playing it right Get a dream. Okay. The dream is to one day have arcade quality metal DDR pads of your own. It's a solid dream. Wait 16 years, get them, okay. have them in your basement. And you've, and then like on the 17th winter, you have them. Yes. So you're going to have to wait 16 years to get fit. But 16 years later, you can finally get fit. Okay. In the comfort of your own home. That's a good excuse not to get fit right now. Exactly. I'm waiting. So just wait. I'm just waiting 16 years to get my metal DDR pads, and then I can get fit. Okay. <laughs> DDR is actually a pretty good suggestion. DDR like, assuming you hate treadmills, you know, because treadmills are obvious, and you can still yes. do weight exercises and stuff and go to the gym. Yes. But I hate treadmills. I prefer to go on bikes and rollerblade and longboard and, and just go on long walks, all of which I don't want to do right now. Even yeah, if even if I could. Also, like, what if I just, like, hit some ice on the bike? It feels like biking, just for the sake of pleasure in the winter, It I'm taking on risks that aren't worth the reward. Yeah. And uh, luckily for me, 
I just got the new Ring Fit Adventure game for the Switch, which is basically Ring Fit, Ring Fit Adventure. It's basically Nintendo's new Wii Fit, but for the Switch. And Do you still have a board that you stand on? Or nope. Is it... You get this ring thing, and okay. you can push in on the ring and pull on the ring, and then you get it straps one of the things to your legs so it can sense whether you're moving your legs. Okay. And so I feel really stupid playing it. I feel real dumb because I'm like jogging in place holding this ring like an idiot in my living room. Are you but I will tell you, though? at the end of that, I feel very tired, and eventually I feel good. It's actually a much better exercise for me than Wii Fit ever was. Because with Wii Fit, I made my own uh, routines, and I, it's hard to push yourself. Yeah, you know. But, this but with like this, it's like I have to like finish the level, and I'm like, ah, don't make me keep jogging. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, you've got stairs, and you've got to raise your legs higher when you hit stairs, or you won't move. And I'm like, no, not the stairs. But I want to do it because I got to beat that buff dragon. Is it kind of like like Temple Run? Like do you have a character. It's like something like along that. A path or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Except for you have to jog to make them go on the path, and then you'll get random encounters with monsters, and you got to do like, you got to like do muscle exercises. So I was doing this thing up here where you like press in on the thing real hard, and then to guard, you hold it against your abs, and you have to use your stomach strength to help defend from them. It's completely <laughs> ridiculous, but I was exhausted from merely calibrating it. Realized okay. how not fit I am. And have decided that that's pretty cool. So we are currently in the midst of Operation Get Martin Swole. Yeah. Again. Yeah. And I mean, I've also got like dumbbells and stuff. All, all yeah. the strength exercise is obvious for me. But I've why would I ever do cardio inside if it wasn't for fighting that buff dragon? I have yes. to beat him. So yeah, I, that's I'm more interested in the question of how do you do things that are fun during the winter that are still exercise boy, I backed myself into a grammatical corner on that one that still get you exercise. Yeah. Because there's the obvious answers. Get a gym membership. Go run on the treadmill. Lift weights. Get a door frame pull-up bar, which I've said about a zillion oh, times yeah, yeah, yeah. Those on are the great. podcast. Yeah. Get yourself some dumbbells. Um, go to the, I believe, I don't know the exact name of the subreddit, but there is a bodyweight fitness subreddit. And they have a few different routines you can pick from in either in sticky posts or in the wiki it's either in the sticky or in the wiki that's my new rap album that's fair but uh you can find some very very comprehensive body weight fitness uh routines you can do with no equipment needed yeah but much more interested in the question of how do you continue to do things that motivate you to exercise during the winter yeah and that's an interesting one. Oh, i'm actually looking forward to playing it again i feel good afterward and mm-hmm. it, it senses it like with Wii Fit, it was good, but I had to force myself. Now I'm like, but I, I have to finish the level or else yeah. what am I doing? So And then DDR was a good idea too. Is that like 60 bucks just like a normal game or what is it? Uh, It was somewhere around there. Okay. So it's cheaper than metal DDR pads. It was, Perhaps I, I think it was accessible. a little more to get the accessory, but like it wasn't even a hundred. I was expecting it to be an expensive accessory. It wasn't yeah. bad. Okay. But it's a lot more fun than I was expecting. Yeah. Even if I feel dumb at first. I have a philosophical question, Martin. Okay. Why are we embarrassed to move? Well, it's mostly that I'm holding a ring fighting a buff dragon by jogging in place. <laughs> Feels dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but if I win, is it really dumb? Can you take on a buff dragon? I don't know. Yeah. It's pretty spooky. I'm just I'm just thinking about this in a more general sense. Like uh, why why do we so like we feel embarrassed to 
do to, anything to, like, that's try an expression. If I have to... Yeah, it's it's totally seen as okay to be a lazy slob and just, like, play WoW and whatever. And people aren't going to... Well, they probably are going to judge you. That's the weird thing. They are going to judge you, but you don't care. I feel but like... We do care, and we are afraid of people judging us for... It's like sincerity. speaking or singing or dancing or, yeah, playing with a weird ring and fighting a yeah, yeah. dragon. Yeah, yeah, actually, with all of that, I think the problem is sincerity. Like, it would be easier to do those things in public, ironically, or you're doing something really dumb. But the second you try to mean what you're saying, you're like, oh, no, I've shown that I care about things. But, like, ah. if you're playing video games, you're showing that you care about the video games. Is it that the video games are a sort of prescribed experience where you can sort of offload any form of self-expression to the intentions of the developers. But that doesn't make sense because people love to customize their characters and all this kind of stuff. That's true. Why is it that any sort of like physical expression is seen as embarrassing and we're scared to do it? That's a good point. No one would judge me if I was playing Zelda in there. Yeah, and I, I don't even think it's that we look to the people who are great and we're afraid of not measuring up because... There's obviously like Fortnite pros out there and there are people who, I don't know, play the Sims and they're super good at, or maybe Minecraft's a better analogy. You know, my friend Alan has literally recreated the entire um, Spirited Away set entirely in Minecraft. Really? In amazing detail. Okay. But that doesn't make me embarrassed to go build something in Minecraft. Yeah, I don't know. And yet we feel embarrassed to go up and shake people's hands or sing in public or dance or whatever. I don't know. It's weird. Huh. You know what? I don't know. I don't know either. What does make it entirely different? I would like to know. What's the reasoning? Like, obviously, there's the obvious stuff. There's like, I could fail. uh, I feel silly. But like, why why is it more those things than other things? Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know. Anyway... Um, I had a couple of more suggestions. One of them is to go to roller skating rinks. I didn't even think about the fact that you can still roll around inside. Yeah. That's a great idea. Those exist. Oh. Because I was, I did not get a chance to do it today because I ended up filming for much longer than I intended, but I was going to go to the ice skating rink and ice skating is another very good suggestion. Not everyone can ice skate. Not everyone can roller skate, but between the two, there's some, there's some, uh, you know, more options. So that sounds fun. That's pretty good. Um, trampoline parks. Watch out. If you have access to those. Watch out. You might sprain you your might, ankle. You might clip off a piece of bone in your ankle and have it lay around in there forever. You know what you got to do is you got to commit to your front flips. Is it? Because you wait. Didn't you tell me that you no, just like, that day you I had lazily or something? That day I had too much energy, actually, and I was oh, jumping way much. higher than normal, and I didn't know why. And I should have thought to myself, wait a second. You're not calibrated mm. for turns at this height. So what happened was, since I was jumping higher, I turned the same amount as normal, Mm -hmm. which turned me a little extra, because I was in the air for a little longer, having jumped higher. So I did not, like, I wasn't calibrated right, and it was really strange. Never have more energy than normal again. Yeah. That's my advice. At least when doing flips. (laughs) If, when doing flips, I should have, if I would have thought about it first, like, hmm, if I'm jumping higher, I'll be in the air longer, and therefore my normal flip will land me at this angle, slightly turned in like 370 degrees too too late yeah i think if you were calibrated you would have been fine because you would have just landed i would have been i would have been fine but i just i i should have questioned it well don't get injured my last one they are really fun though if you don't break your ankle they are really fun my last one is the thing that i do during the winters which is i play basketball 
That's a pretty solid idea. Because climbing gyms, expensive. Trampoline parks, expensive. Roller skating rings, no, actually. Those are usually pretty cheap, but not always open. But get a YMCA membership or cheap gym membership. Often there's a basketball court. Play basketball. Join yeah. a league. Make friends. Get active. Don't make friends. Do the things and the stuff. I don't make friends. And if you haven't, you haven't waited your 16 years yet, just play pretend floor DDR. That's true. Just pretend. Learn tap dancing. There's, you know, there's another word for that, which is just dancing. No, specifically <laughs> learn tap dancing. Bring it back. Oh, yeah, you could take a dance class. We're bringing it back. Actually, there's usually like community education dance classes that you can take for cheap. Go learn swing or tango or whatever you want. Yeah. There's so many opportunities. But uh, I think people get caught up in the, oh, it's cold outside. There's no longer anything to do except for plot along a treadmill in a gym, which is what... Well, it turns out there are a lot, a lot more than I even thought about before coming into this episode, because I Mm -hmm. forgot you could roll around inside. And if you happen to live in Colorado, snowboarding is the best thing ever. That's true. There are some winter outsides. The best. Get some snowshoes and go for a long walk anyway. Oh, yeah. Actually, I've never worn snowshoes before. When I go snowboarding with my friend Matt, his uh, girlfriend goes snowshoeing. She doesn't like to snowboard, but she likes to go for hikes in the winter. So. Sounds cool. Mm-hmm. Should try that. Question two: When I read for college, should I read out loud or should I read silently? Um, I would probably say most of the time reading silently is much faster. Mm-hmm. But I do read out loud when I get to things, even in fiction. Just anything I'm reading, if I get confused by the grammar of something, or if I found that I kind of just glazed right through that paragraph. I don't know what's going on. If I read it again out loud, I'll kind of get the rhythm better, and then I'll understand it more, mm-hmm. and that's usually helpful. But, I mean, reading silently is much faster. It is faster. Other than the speed, I think for most people, it might not matter. Uh, in fact, so I've been learning about how the ears work. Yeah. And so when, when sound hits your eardrum, um, that's not actually how that's not actually like the the point at which it gets turned into nerve impulses there's a whole extra song and dance that happens starting with uh the eardrum basically knocks these three successions uh, i guess like there's three bones that are in succession and then the last bone makes like a pressure wave go down this like snail looking thing in your ear but anyway there's these muscles that clamp down on those bones in your ear so when you speak they will kind of clamp down every once in a while to lessen the uh, amount of sound that you hear from yourself. Um, they can also clamp down if you are exposed to a loud noise, though they aren't very fast. Uh, they're soundproof so headphones. They're not very fast, so like a gunshot or something would just, it would deafen you because it wouldn't have time to clamp down and they oh, get yeah. fatigued very easily, which is why a rock concert will damage your hearing if you don't wear earplugs. Anyway, long story short, NASA research has found that when people read silently, those muscles are still active. So when we subvocalize, which is which, kind of read which, silently which in your head, generally happens, yeah. your body's actually having a response, which means that your speech centers, the you know your physical response to speech is similar when you're reading aloud and when you're reading silently. That's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, that's actually pretty Thanks, cool. Thanks, Sound Snail. Mm-hmm. Master of the ear bones. Sound snail back. I want that to be a song. It's title my new though. hero. I've been I've been collecting potential song titles 
Okay. Um, so Anna found a book about alchemy that she's using for some research right now. And apparently one of like the, I don't know, top guys in alchemy back in the, the day of like the 1400s or whatever, his name, it's a really long name. I don't know all of it, but two of his names were Theophrastus Bombastus. And I absolutely love that. That's a great. So that's going into an album at some point. Okay. I'm just going to have a song called Theophrastus Bombastus. Anyway, uh, my take on this. Whenever I read aloud, and this may just be me because I'm in media, but whenever I read aloud, I get really focused on the delivery. Uh, and I absolutely do not understand what I'm reading. Yeah, that does not. At all. I don't do that. But that yeah. makes a lot of sense for you. Mm-hmm. I focus so. better just because I'm I'm like trying to, if there's a word I don't know how to pronounce initially or just a weird grammatical thing. Yeah. I find that it helps, but primarily because I'm putting more effort into focusing on what on what the words are. Mm-hmm. I probably could have done the same thing silently. I just yeah, paying more attention. So, for people listening to this, I would say watch out for that because if it's happening, your your comprehension's going down. Yeah. Um personally, I think that you will comprehend the same amount faster if you read silently. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, reading speeds for silently reading, um, I haven't checked mine in a while. And if I'm going off how, how fast I read the seventh Harry Potter, which was a while ago, so I'm probably not quite up there, but uh, it was some in the 400s. But like reading out loud, what is it, like 150, 200 words per minute? It's around 150. Whereas I could read like easily three to 400 and something, 100 words. It's, it's just much, much faster. Yeah. Silently. Yep. Mouths yeah. are slow. They are very slow. Um, yeah, if, if I'm really blazing through a fiction book, it'd be around probably 400. Yeah. Uh, for further reading on this, we have a whole series of articles on speed reading. Oh, oh and yeah. a podcast episode on speed reading where I interviewed probably the person who's currently alive and who has done the most research on eye tracking, speed reading, and all that kind of stuff. Oh, cool. And she was a grad student uh, underneath the guy who did, like, all the pioneering research and eye tracking and everything. But he passed away, I think, like, more than a decade ago. Hmm. Yeah. Her name's Elizabeth Schotter. And I, oh, boy, it was, like, episode 90-something, maybe 95 or something like that. Back in the 90s. We'll put it in the show notes. That was very shortly before I came back on. Yes. Yeah, it was one of the last ones before you joined, and we kind of stopped doing interviews so often. This week's episode of our show is brought to you by our friends over at Brilliant, which is an amazing learning platform for anyone who wants to improve their abilities in the areas of math, science, and computer science. Brilliant has an in-depth library of more than 50 courses covering topics like calculus, geometry, differential equations, statistics, and probability, which if we're talking about math courses, I'm a little more interested in statistics and probability. Now, I'm not sure why I always talk about calculus first, because man, I, I find stat a lot easier and I don't know my brain just sort of gravitates to it are you a calc bro yeah I'm one of them calc one bros, of them calc you bros. Know. that's what I do <laughs> anyway you can learn about all those math topics they actually have a very comprehensive math library but they also have science courses like gravitational physics and classical mechanics and computer science courses ranging from the fundamentals of algorithm design and the hardware fundamentals of computer memory going all the way up to python programming classes and some computational biology stuff that I definitely don't understand but 
If you want to understand it, be it the math or the science or the computer science, Brilliant is a great place to gain the understanding because they build all their courses with active learning in mind. So instead of just passively intaking information, which is not a great way to retain it and encode it, you're instead immediately thrown into challenging yet bite-sized and logically ordered sequences of problems that help you to learn more effectively and more quickly. And in addition to that huge library of courses, there is a daily challenges feature where you can log in every single day and get two new challenges from different areas of math, science, or computer science. So if you wanna make learning and problem solving a daily habit, you wanna improve your ability to solve problems, and you want to possibly get interested in a new area that you haven't considered before, then definitely check that out. And you can get started for free over at brilliant.org slash college info geek. The free plan will get you access to new daily challenges every single day day. And if you upgrade to their premium subscription, you're going to get access to the entire library of in-depth courses. Once again, brilliant.org slash college info geek. And if you were one of the first 200 people to use that link and sign up, you're going to get 20% off your annual premium subscription. Big thanks as always goes out to brilliant for sponsoring this episode and supporting our show. And thanks also to our second sponsor this week, Hover, which we didn't actually know was on the schedule until uh, the day before this podcast was supposed to go out, which is why it sounds different to the people on the audio feed. But Hover is the best place on the internet to get your hands on a domain name. And this is absolutely something you should do if you want to start building a professional, personal brand for yourself. If you want to align yourself with the industry that you're in and you want to start building expertise in a certain area and communicating that expertise to potential employers or maybe even potential customers if you're starting your own business, you want to get your hands on a domain name, which can then be home to a personal website. On that website, you can have a portfolio, you can have places for people to contact you. I think it's an essential tool in your tool belt for either getting a job or for building a following. And again, Hover is the absolute best place on the internet to get your hands on a domain name, not least of which because they have over 400 domain extensions to choose from. You have your classic ones like your .com, your .me, your .nets, which personally I think work really well for personal websites, but there's also newer extensions like .limo and .lol. In fact, I actually went and bought thomas.lol a few months ago just because, well, why wouldn't I want to own that one? But also, Hover has an incredibly streamlined checkout process. There's no annoying pop-ups. It's just very, very quick. In fact, if you have an account like I do, you can get a domain name bought in less than 30 seconds. It's super easy and a completely frictionless process. Also, once you have your domain name, they have some great features for helping you put it to good use. They have a, an email feature where you can hook it up to a professional email like thomas at collegeinfogeek.com, which is mine, and also a feature called Connect, which lets you easily hook your domain up to website builders like Squarespace and and Shopify. So if you're ready to get your hands on your domain name, go over to hover.com slash CIG and you're going to get 10% off your first purchase. That's H-O-V-E-R.com slash CIG. Once again, hover.com slash CIG. And thanks to Hover as well for sponsoring this week's episode. Let's get back into it. Uh, all right. So question number three, how do you make something that doesn't suck? You don't. You Everything don't. sucks. Everything, Everything sucks. sucks. Just stop caring. <laughs> I have a good idea for a book but I can't figure out how to write it as well as a professional author. Yes, yeah, the taste gap. That is the taste gap. You make it, but you have better taste than that, and you're aware that it sucks. And it's mm -hmm. really frustrating for all things. It really is. And even as people who understand the taste gap, I don't. maybe I shouldn't speak for you, but I find it hard to just publish, especially when I don't have some kind of hard deadline. Yeah, which sucks because publishing and 
the like making anything that doesn't suck means you're going to have to do it over and over probably failing many times. And mm-hmm. if you're starting right now, let's say you're starting on this idea for this great book idea. What if you care too much about that idea and you're afraid to take risks with it? You can't develop the skill because you need to take risks and fail over and over. But if you're like afraid to take those risks, what you're doing, you're going to you might stunt your own growth because you're on something you care too much about. Mm-hmm. So like, um, so with my pixel art thing that I'm trying to do, I'm trying to learn basic pixel art right now just to amuse myself. Uh, I wanted to post something for Halloween. So I had this whole big idea, this cool scene planned out with like a whole bunch of stuff going on. And I start to make it. I, make, I spend way too long making like a basic cauldron. And then some of the other stuff starts not working out. And then... I start to think, well, if this is taking me this long, this is like the simplest part of the, oh, God, this is going to take so long <laughs> because each time – I don't know anything about the shading. I don't know anything about how am I going to outline them. Am I going to do black outlines? Am I going to – I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. I haven't practiced it. So instead, eventually I gave in, realized that wasn't happening, and made a little – actually, this should be published by the time this episode comes out um, – a little like 32 by 32 grid version of Enoch from Over the Garden Wall because I care about it. I like it, but it was small and simple and one thing, and I got to focus on the skill. Whereas before, I was focusing on this big artistic vision I had, but I wasn't ready for artistic vision yet. I needed to practice the skill. Without the skill, the artistic vision, like you can't see it in my head, so it doesn't really matter until I can actually portray it. Yeah. I just thought of a good analogy. Yeah. So picture what you do in the morning for like your morning routine, right? Okay. I mourn every yeah, every I mourn day. Every ing. All right. Now imagine trying to do that if you did not know how to walk, if you did not know how to tie shoes, if you didn't know how to use toothpaste, if you didn't know how to turn your shower on, if you didn't know how a microwave worked, literally like, think of everything you do that is completely second nature that you've been doing for years and years. Yeah. Imagine having to learn how to do it, <clears throat> but still get everything done before the morning is over and you have to go to work. One morning is impossible now. It's not going to happen. Because it, it, was, it was real. It was just like shading. What level of detail? Am I going to do it at this resolution? Am I going to do it at this resolution? How mm-hmm. big should they all be proportionately? Oh, God, I don't know what I'm doing. So, yep. So, like, what if, what if with this book thing, uh, what if it would be helpful work on the book on the side, take down all your notes and stuff. But when you're feeling stuck, maybe you practice a skill with some sort of short story. Mm-hmm. Maybe you practice it. Maybe you write a short story in the universe of the book to practice flesh out the world in your own head. But you're just writing to focus on, with this 500 words or so, I'm going to focus on scenic descriptions. Yeah. With this one, I'm going to focus on dialogue. With this one, I'm going to try to make this character seem compelling within just a few paragraphs. Like, these little tiny skills are so important. Yeah. And you can't execute the vision yet until you fail several times at many of those small skills. hmm And you don't even have to split your big project into a zillion little pieces because you might care about it too much that you might feel paralyzed. That's how I feel. Like, I'm working on a, a new study music song right now, and I'm like, the drums have to be perfect. And then I just get paralyzed. Yeah. So instead, I'm like, all right, I'm going to shelve that for a bit. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find somebody's, like, Yeezy beat on uh, YouTube they made. And I'm just going to try to recreate it. 
I'm going to follow it. Yeah. I'm going to use the same plugins they used. I'm going to like, all right, maybe I'll try to vary up the hi-hats a little differently than they did. Maybe I'll try to program my own sub-bass in a synthesizer. Oh, hey, I know, I know how to do that now. And when I come back to the big project that I care about, I'm now going to have stuff that's like second nature. Like, all right, I'm going to throw a sub-bass on there. Easy. You know, I don't have to think about it. That's pretty similar to me making the Enoch thing. Actually, mm-hmm. it's kind of like the pixel art I'm working on right now is more or less fan art. Because I don't have to come up with the concept, and that saves me so much like artistic effort and disconnects me a little bit from how protective I am of how good the output is. Yeah, that's true. I'm focusing on the skill, because, and uh, I'm making another one right now that involves um, Pokemon, mm-hmm. and I'm just making some of my favorite Pokemon. So I do care. It's fun and interesting. But at the same time, I'm like, I know exactly what to do already. I just need to learn the skill to do it. There's yeah. no, there's no. How many heads should this thing have? Like that's already been decided for mm-hmm. me. Somebody else did that. Actually, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and I think when we did the video on skill development, uh, there was a point about how like imitation really helps people to progress quickly. And there was yeah. some famous jazz musician who had said this, uh, and that's why I referenced in the video. It seemed like imitation is really what kind of boosts people's skills quickly, because. Yeah, if, if you haven't made all these skills second nature, then you're simultaneously trying to, uh, in your conscious mind, make all those work and make artistic decisions. That's tough. But if you give yourself either or, all right, I'm going to imitate something, maybe remix it a little bit, but I have something I can see as a reference. Yeah. I can use that to build my skills. And then later on, I now have these skills that are second nature. I now have the tools to make something very original. Because all of my conscious effort can go into dreaming something up. Yeah. But it's yeah, not going to happen if you're trying to do both. Yeah, and like, like you said, simply going through a morning routine, if you had to learn every skill from scratch as you were doing it, you would fail at the simplest things because you just don't have that much time. And it's, mm-hmm. if you do that with something you love, and it, could, it can maybe work given enough time, but it's going to feel so scary or frustrating to be like, it's been three months and I've made, I'm on page one because I wanted page <laughs> one to be good. Yep. And I just, I haven't figured it out yet. And then it feels like you're going nowhere. That's really discouraging. Mm -hmm. I think for most humans, we probably have this um, feeling like we need to be perfect in the first try for everything. And the only reason we ever (laughs) learn to do anything is because we are like forced to go through school and they're like, all right, do this one math problem that's easy. And they just force us through a curriculum and a progression of lots and lots of different practice tries. Yeah, And then we get done, and no one's forcing us to do that anymore. So we're just like, I wish I could be a great author. And I I would be a failure if I wasn't a great author my first try. It's like, no, man. Do what you did in school. This is, I think Write this is why everybody fictions. gets stuck. We, yeah. all, we all get stuck on the skill development because nobody's telling us to, like... Uh, I remember Ashley was always saying, like, her teachers made, made the, all the students do, like, 50 sketches. Mm-hmm. We need 50 sketches. Like, yeah, what, you're right. what do we do 50 figurative sketches on mm-hmm. at all in adulthood we're like well nobody's making me do this a whole bunch of times so the first try is probably fine oh wait the first try sucks eh. i'll do something else that doesn't feel bad because it feels bad not to do mm-hmm. something well so you kind of need a system or like a coach or something to push yeah. you through that because otherwise you do it it feels bad and you're like well why don't i do something that feels good instead mm-hmm. like netflix Dude, I can I never have... fail to watch Netflix. I, every time I That's do it, true. and I just, I succeed. Super good at it. Man, I'm super good at consumption. One I've of my biggest talents. i had a lot of talents. practice at it. Yeah. I've had a lot of practice. 
eating things, drinking things, and taking media that other people have put their heart and soul into. Yeah. Well, and it's obviously the first thing they've ever done, obviously, too. First thing they've they ever done. They just did it first try. I'm not cut out for it. Game of Thrones, that was a student film. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, well, yeah, um, I, I saw went and something. saw Jojo Rabbit, which uh, was Taika Waititi's newest film. And at the Alamo, they often play, instead of just like playing ads or dumb things like a lot of theaters do, they'll play like interesting stuff before movies. It's so, like before the uh, Ghibli movie marathon that I went to there, they were just playing all these like documentary things about how they're made and everything. Yeah. So for this one, they were just playing a movie that Taika Waititi made as a student in 2006. And it's just, it's all him. No other actors, nobody else working on it. Just a really crappy camera. And he's like making a war movie where he made, he played all the parts. Nice. And it's real rough. Hilarious though. But it's real rough. And now that dude made Thor Ragnarok. Which is real good. I, I think he wrote, I don't know if he directed, but I want to say he wrote and directed Jojo Rabbit and it acts in it as well. And it was a fantastic movie. So. Yeah. You just got to put in your tries. You're at bats. Do the work. Draw all 150 Pokemon. One every day. I've seen actually several people do that. Yeah, by the end of it, you're probably going to... It's going to suck if, you, if your favorite Pokemon's Bulbasaur, do it in reverse order. Yes. That way, <laughs> that way you're really good by the time you get to Bulbasaur. Yep. But yeah, and you know, a lot of people are like, well, it's a waste of time because I'm not making original art. I'm just like drawing other people's creations. But I'm not good enough to make original art yeah. yet. I don't know how. Imagine how good your original art is going to be after you've done 150 drawings. Like, I want to do more. I want to do pixel art that's original. Mm-hmm. I want to like... I want to make cool scenes. Like I had the whole Halloween idea, but it, it's, I'm I'm not good enough yet. Yep. Or here's you know, and there are ways that you can sort of put your own originality into something that you're imitating. Yeah. So for the simplest example, uh, Tony, our editor, wanted to learn how to draw in the old old timey Disney animation style. So he goes and he draws Mickey Mouse, pure like purely from a reference image. Okay. And it looks pretty good. And he's like, "Where do I go from here?" And I'm like. Reverse it. Just horizontal flip. But you got to draw it that way. Mm. You can't do it in Photoshop. That's tough. It's different, right? Or, you know, make make him winking. Or if he's smiling, make him frown. You know? And then, if so if you're doing the Pokemon challenge, right? All right, I'm going to draw Bulbasaur. I'm just going to completely copy the sprite. By the time I get to Pidgey, Pidgeotto, all right, I'm flipping him. I'm horizontal. By the time I get to Nidoking... Now it's time to start trying different positions and poses. Yeah, they're like they're using a move or something mm-hmm. that they never drew themselves. So okay, I've got a reference, but I have to draw it doing something different. So it's almost original art, just using an established character. Yeah, and eventually you might start um, developing your own artistic style that you can throw. Like obviously, a lot of fan art takes the original concept, but then filters it through like, here's what I want to do with it. I know I've been seeing some. There was some artist I don't remember the name of because I'm bad at Twitter names, but. They were doing um, a bunch of ghost Pokemon for mm-hmm. Halloween, and the style they're doing them in is really cool and not at all like uh, the Sugimori art that you'll find in the like game guides or the basic imagery you'll see for it. It's just yeah. way different. They take the concept, and then they used it to practice a different artistic style. It looks really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's another way you can do it. Mash two things together. There was another artist I saw who was doing... I think it was like video game fan art, but it was in the um, like 1800s Japanese art style. That's really cool. Style. 
That's a good idea, mixing up two things deliberately, even mm-hmm. if neither of them are specifically yours. Like, draw all 150 Pokemon as if they were from the Steven Universe universe. Yeah. That's very interesting to me. What would that look like? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That'd be really cool, actually. Next, do Adventure Time. You know they're different now. Hmm. All 150 original Pokemon, but every time each, each one is like you got to pick a different universe. You got to pick a different thing that, that it looks like. This one's you got to do Nido King like it was from Game of Thrones. This one's hyper realistic. <laughs> I hope you're good now. <laughs> More wine. <laughs> <laughs> that that actually be really cool. You just honor all your favorite shows by drawing something in that style, mm-hmm. even if it doesn't belong there. I had an idea for a YouTube channel, and I have too many ideas for YouTube channels, which is why I never do any of them. But I wanted to do one where every video. I would talk about something original, but I would do the video in the style of another creator. So huh. one video I do like Casey Neistat, very vlog style, and I do the next video as fully animated as I can, like Chris Cassatt or something like that. And it would be very, very difficult, and it would probably all be bad, but it'd be an interesting challenge. Yeah. Just every single time, try to imitate another style and see how good you can do it. It's, it's kind of like Weird Al, actually. Yeah, a little bit. Anywho, uh, so we have our, our fourth question here. I heard that you should make your timetable by putting in the hours for break slash play slash uh, rest time first. Is this true? How should we best design our timetable? So I'm guessing this person is talking about time boxing. I'm guessing. Or at least yeah, building like the, a daily you're building, schedule. building your schedule based mm-hmm. on the hours or whatnot. Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing that I'm going to say is you're, you're probably going to have obligations that are going to be there first. So classes yeah stuff that you can't move you got to do those first uh once you have those and you're trying to schedule out your day yeah what do you think do you think breaks should be scheduled before work sessions i think they even need to be scheduled i think it's an interesting concept to plan your breaks first but I, i think it completely depends on your priorities like a person who's like been overworking themselves for a long time mm-hmm maybe that person should prioritize a little bit of break. Maybe they're going to go insane if they don't get their breaks in and they've been pushing too hard for too long. Or maybe now is the time where you want to rejuvenate and get into a project. You should schedule the project time first and then the the break time. It's like whatever you want to make most important. Mm -hmm. I would probably schedule meals for myself because sometimes I just forget to eat enough. So that's a high priority for me. So it should be... In my opinion, uh, your obligations have to come first, but then it's just what will you be most disappointed in yourself for not doing today? What will what will hurt the worst yeah. if you miss out on it? Yeah, you do forget to eat a lot, don't you? I do. I do. <laughs> I never forget that one. Um, I'll just say what I've been doing recently. So the number one thing is doing my best to set an end time for the day, which I'm trying for 6 p.m. Not 2 a.m.? I've been bad at this. 2 a.m.'s... Yeah, Asking for a friend. Not not 2 a.m. Okay. I've been good about not doing 2 a.m. I've not. But I will wake up, and I will basically start working, and, you know, on certain days, I'll just keep working until the day's over. And, you know, part of that is, like, the creative process. You yeah. get into it. But a lot of it is, as an entrepreneur, I always bite off more than I can chew. And the moment, and you've seen this a zillion times, the moment that something works well and I find myself with free time, I'll find something to fill it with. Yeah. You know, my, my agent will be like, hey, do you want to do this trip to New York? Yeah, sure. I'll 
book a flight. And then the next month rolls around. I'm like, crap, I got to go to New York for like, you know, a third of this month. Will we still have all the same work? And, you know, various uh, variations of that always happen. So in a way, I do schedule my end time first, as I try to. And then I haven't really been scheduling breaks per se, but what I've been doing is on my daily to-do list, I'll write, do a Pomodoro of this and then take a break. Okay. Or So um, the recent one was like, do a Pomodoro of brainstorming for the video on why you forget names. Then do a Pomodoro of research. Then go buy groceries because that was kind of like a mental break for me. Then come back and do a Pomodoro of writing. So sort of planning my breaks, yeah, like, but not the exact time at which it was going to happen because I allow myself to go beyond 25 minutes in a Pomodoro if I am in the zone. Yeah, which makes perfect sense. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're just hurting yourself. Yeah. So I think I ended up that makes sense. working for like two hours instead of uh, what would have been. So like you have a different minutes. way of ensuring that you will take breaks. Yes. Sometimes. Yeah, I guess <laughs> I guess planning them. I don't know if I'd plan them on a timetable like that. Yeah, other than like. Maybe maybe I'll take a long lunch break. That would be a good way to plan an, uh, a break for me. Otherwise, yeah, what if I'm really in the zone? What yeah. if I need to take the break later? Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And, yeah, that's, I think that's about it. You know, I'm not scheduling yeah, it's breaks. It's just, like, based on your priorities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people should experiment with what works for them. And what works for you is probably going to be different at different times. Yeah. You know, there's always the pendulum swinging back and forth. In all directions, for for all, um, I guess, opposing concepts. So I find that there's never a static equilibrium between I'm not working too much, I'm not resting too much. It's always some, some amount of over the equilibrium in some way. I feel like if I felt like I was doing perfectly balanced, I would do what you do, which is say, huh, well, I guess I can take on a little more. Yep. Like you'd force yourself <laughs> to go too far in a direction. Mm-hmm. And maybe it would be boring to sit in the middle too long. It might be. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. We're always striving for something. And I think that it is um, the curse, but also the superpower of the human species to solve one problem and in doing so unearth 14 different smaller problems. Yeah. That's just kind of what we do. You know, it was like, oh, hey, I'm hungry a lot, and I often go hungry, don't have enough food. Solve that problem. Well, now, like, sometimes when I turn my TV on, the Netflix app wants to update, and I just really wish it wouldn't make me update it. It's like once a week I have to update the Netflix app, man. You know, I better go get a coding job to fix that. Yeah. Build an auto-updating thing yeah. for the Netflix smart TVs. But, of course, once I do that, there's going to be some other problem. Like, I constantly deal with existential dread. That There's was a, no that one's a, true survival need anymore. What, but Netflix fixes that. You just... That's true. Watch Netflix. Turn off, tune in. Yeah. To the College of Boogie podcast. <laughs> Subscribe on Netflix. We're not on Netflix. We're not on Netflix. <laughs> Last question. Have you ever wanted to help others, but felt like you needed to learn more or work on yourself before doing it? Yes. All time. Absolutely. This is imposter syndrome. Go listen to that episode because that was two episodes ago. But boy, howdy. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm, I am I don't think I can say too much about what I'm doing right now, but I'm embarking on a project where I'm going to show people a cool process. 
but I am acutely aware that there are many other people in the world who are better at this process than me. And so there's part of me being like, well, why should I even make this? Why would people even want to watch it? There's like better people out there. But here's the thing. All those people are experts. So even if they're trying to teach how to do stuff, they're going to have blind spots because they don't remember where they got stuck. Yeah. I am a beginner, but I know more than true beginners. So by documenting my process, showing where I get stuck and showing how I overcome those difficulties, that's going to be helpful for people. And the people who are experts, they wouldn't have ever made that content because they don't see it. Yeah, you're an expert to the people that haven't gotten quite as far as you yet. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so just ask yourself. And this is a, this is a good um, mental exercise. Don't think about the general conceptual audience out there. Think what could I do to help myself one year ago in this discipline? So photography, you know, or maybe you feel like you've known the same stuff for a year. So go back five years. What would you be able to teach five year ago, Martin, about photography? Um, how to shoot in manual. Yeah. I mean, also how to do color grading. Also, um... Yeah, actually, manual is the most important thing because uh, of my macro shooting, but I didn't know how to do it back then. I used to shoot an aperture priority while I was learning Mm -hmm. because it would make it a little easier, but now everything I do on the camera, I control myself. And there's probably a lot of other things, too. Also, I didn't have focus peaking. I didn't mm -hmm. didn't know how that worked back then. I didn't turn it on. You didn't Um, know that? You didn't know how to get close to bugs quite as well without them going away? That's a tough skill. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting because that's not even in the camera, but it's still an important skill to do. I have to be super close without scaring things or getting stung or bitten, mm-hmm. which is a matter of time. I've considered <laughs> getting a beekeeper suit and taking all my photos in that <laughs> because then they won't sting or bite me. But then what's going to happen is I'm going to like catch it on a branch. There's going to be a hole, and they're going to the bees going to fly in the hole in the beekeeper suit, and I'm going to be like bees. a like a Looney Tunes scene yes. and the beekeeper suit's just going to expand and I will die. It will be thousands of bees. They will all find the I, I will find out I'm allergic to bees Yep. and it'll be a bad day. That's why you got to wear two beekeeper suits. Two beekeeper suits. Yeah, you the can... first one is a distraction for the bees. <laughs> you can never be too careful. <laughs> but yeah, or um, what time of day is best to go take these photos? Five years ago, Martin probably didn't know that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. How do I get that blurry background? Oh, it's depth of field. I know how to explain that. And yet, what are the effects of a shallow depth of field on macro photography? Mm-hmm. Super Turns hard. Way, way, way harder to get your uh, point of focus because in macro, the slice of depth of field is ever so tiny. Yeah, it's like a half a centimeter of a spider's eye. Mm-hmm. Whereas in portrait photography, it might be a foot. So you could just kind of point yeah, and shoot. Yeah, so, so much of this is like, I wouldn't have known it back then, mm-hmm. but it's it's second nature now. So I would feel like if I was making a video, well, I don't know anything about this. I just do it. Yeah. I just sort of do it automatically. It's easy. Everybody should know it. But I didn't know it at all before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sometimes it's just it's great to and I I'm, I'm speaking from experience here. It's great to watch somebody who I know is only a few levels above me. Well, it's more accessible. Mm-hmm. It's much more accessible. If I'm watching a documentary, and you know, I will I would love to watch. Um, I'm trying to think of like one of the top music producers, uh, like Swiss beats or something. If I, you know, I would love to look over Swiss beats uh, shoulder for a day and just see how it works. 
but I'm probably going to see a lot of stuff that I do not understand. It's going to boggle my mind. Yeah. You know, or watching Taryn from Linus Tech Tips edit. I know for a fact that dude has 10,000 macros and crazy scripts that he's built over the years to the point where he can now hit a button and his computer will do something. And to an onlooker, there would be no uh, figuring out what was happening. Yeah. But if I'm watching a video from, you know, a intermediate producer on YouTube and they're just like, hey, I just learned how to humanize my percussion in an electronic track without it being like, you know, perfectly quantized to the grid. Oh, hey, that's a problem I'm having right now. And they're probably going to go about doing it in a way that I will understand pretty easily. Yeah, they're not going to know all the like crazy jargon shortcuts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for anybody feeling imposter syndrome here, for anybody feeling like you're not yet good enough to help others, ask yourself, could you one year ago or five years ago, could that person benefit from you now? Because the answer is almost undoubtedly yes. Unless you literally haven't been doing anything in that discipline, in which case, why would you want to help people in it? Yeah, in that case, you probably should work on yourself first. Mm -hmm. That's probably true. Or if you meant work on yourself and like a, I've got a lot of stuff going on, this isn't a good time for me. Sure. Uh, one yeah. of my favorite quotes is, one cannot pour from an empty cup. Yep. I, I need to think about that a lot because like a lot of my motivations are about helping people or like helping family out or donating to charities that reflect a lot of things I have experience with. And I'm just like, well, I'm not ready yet. And it's taken years to get to the point that I could be useful yeah. in those arenas. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and you know, don't don't feel bad if you have to wait a few years to yeah. help other people because yeah. you're still working to a place where you're going to help other people Yeah, as part of the journey. Yeah, and if you stretch yourself, like imagine I wanted to donate to a charity right now and help in that way, and I, don't, I was like, I'm going to donate all of my money to this charity. Well, now I can't live, so I cannot continue to help these same charities for the next, I don't know, however many years I'm alive. Like it's a long-term investment. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not a big deal if you have to wait until you're ready to do these things. Yeah. Yeah, don't destroy your own ability to produce more value. Yeah, you know? that'd be pretty short-sighted. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's very short-sighted. You have to leave some capital left over to keep, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, so those are our five questions. Again, if you want your five questions or one question, actually, don't get selfish. Yeah. Four other questions for four other people. If you want your question answered on a future five questions episode, you can tweet us. I'm Tom Frankly on Twitter, and you're Yo Martholomew, which is long for Martin, even though Martin isn't True short facts. for Martholomew. Martholomew feels like a name that would be in the vein of Theophrastus Bombastus. It's a good name. Martholomew. Something like that. Or the comments section of the YouTube version of this podcast. If you happen to subscribe to us on YouTube, usually check those comments. They're a little less crazy in the comments on my main channel because there's fewer of them so i usually look at them or uh email thomas at collegeofbookgeek.com and your question may make it into a future five questions if it isn't something that we've already covered that we've done a lot of five questions episodes this is the 34th it's a lot of questions i believe but so it's quite a lot of five questions yeah we haven't covered what our favorite pokemon are no one's ever asked us that yeah you know what? You know we have never we've never done a true Q and A episode. Yeah. Nope. Never done it. Just like straight questions. Just like straight up. Just like anything you want to know. 
So, yeah, if, if you want to know, if you want us to do an episode like that, send in random questions All right. that aren't, like, about life philosophy and stuff. That'd be interesting. Yeah, who's your favorite Digimon? How often do you clip your toenails? <laughs> These are the questions I think about everybody. I actually have a phone reminder for that. I actually pay somebody to do that for me. <laughs> yeah, it's all about delegation. I you wake know? up once a week to somebody clipping my nails. <laughs> Well, you, you got to have them do it and before then I, you wake up. I sleepily hand them the $10 bill that's under my pillow. <laughs> <laughs> They're like the tooth fairy, but not. <laughs> the toenail fairy. Yeah. They <laughs> but I pay them. But you pay them. It's, yeah. It's all, you know, it all You want to find out. out if that's a lie? Ask us. That's <laughs> It's a lie. Don't, I'm not going to answer that one. That is a lie. Anyway, uh, this is episode 280, so you can go over to CIGpodcast.com slash 280 to get the show notes. I know we linked or mentioned the uh, skill development video and our speed reading videos and the speed reading um, podcast interview that I did. So check those out if you're curious. Otherwise, CIGpodcast.com with no slashes, no trailing numbers will get you to the podcast's homepage where you can find out how to subscribe to this show if you haven't done so already. We are on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pocket Casts, your browser, in your brain, um surreptitiously we have installed a microchip inside your brain and you will never be rid of the podcast from this moment onward you're welcome anyway collegeofbookie.com is a place you can go if you want to find our resources page our college packing guide our favorite books or lots of cool articles that you probably haven't read yet so check it out if you have some time thanks for hanging out with us and we will see you in the next episode stay cute